0: Morning, Bethel. Well, if you weren't a part of VBS this past week, um, the stage looks a little differently this week than last Sunday. But we had a great week. Um, there was almost seventy kids here throughout the week, and so the the good news about Jesus was sown in lots of little hearts. So you can continue to pray that the Lord would would use that and bear fruit. Um, I was talking to Shannon, who was the one that coordinated VBS for, and there's so many people that were involved that that served in such um, sacrificial and, and significant ways, but Shannon kind of oversaw everything, and um, she was saying that even though she came to faith in her 20s, it was the truth that was sown in her heart as a child um, through VBS that came back years later, and the Lord used that to, to save her, so... Um, continue to pray for the kids that were here. Um, so our scripture reading for this morning is in the Gospel of John. So if you can grab your Bible, or if you don't have a Bible with you, there's one in the pew right in front of you, and you can grab one of those, one of the black Bibles in the pew, and turn to page 901. Our scripture reading is from John chapters 14-14. 15 and 16, (laughs) so we'll do two different sections here, so if you wouldn't mind standing with me in honor of God's Word, you can follow along as I read. You'll see the verses there in the bulletin, 1 John 14, verses 15 to 27, and then you can flip a page, and we'll catch the last verse of chapter 15, and the first um, 15 verses of chapter 16. Jesus speaking, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Now flip over to the end of chapter 15. And we'll pick up at verse 26, the last two verses of chapter 15, and then the first 15 verses of chapter 16. Jesus goes on to say, and again, he's speaking to his disciples, but when the helper comes whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness because you've been with me from the beginning. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he's offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I'm going to him who sent me and none of you asks me, where are you going? Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. This is God's word. You may be seated. All right. So we're heading into a new series for the summer. It should take us the rest of the summer to actually walk through it. Um, I'll give you an idea in a minute of where we're headed <clears throat> This morning is actually focused on the person of the Spirit, knowing the Holy Spirit. So think about a few things here with me as we get started. How great would it have been to have lived at the time of Jesus? Any of you ever wish that you could have been there um, and seen some of the things that we read about in Scripture and the Gospels, Um, wished you could have heard Jesus teach or seen Him do some of the miracles or all the miracles that He did? I mean, maybe you've had those thoughts at different times, maybe especially when you were plagued with doubts or when you felt pretty kind of dead and, and lifeless spiritually. You wish, if I could have just been there, if I could have seen him feed the 5,000. I mean, how did that look? What, what was happening? I mean, that would just have been magical. Like, you know, you know, have like a magician, you're trying to figure out the sleight of hand. He wasn't trying to do any sleight of hand, but... How did that work? I mean, didn't you want, wouldn't, you, wouldn't you love to see that? Or if you could have been in the boat when he calmed the storm. Or if you could have seen him make the blind see. I mean, that would have just been awesome to see that happen. Or heal lepers. Or make the lame walk. How about if you could have been there outside the tomb when he said, Lazarus, come forth. I mean, that would have been creepy and wonderful. If you could have seen Jesus after he rose from the dead. Then do you think you'd struggle with apathy or doubt? Well, I'm not denying the fact that seeing, hearing with our own, what did I say, seeing first, eyes or ears, that would have been awesome. Okay, that would be awesome. But it might be worth noting that there were plenty of people at that time who heard and saw those miracles and they still didn't believe. It's really worth pondering why that was the case. Kind of like the Israelites seeing ten crazy miraculous plagues, a miraculous deliverance out of Egypt, watching the Red Sea parted, walking through on dry ground, manna come from heaven, water coming out of a rock, and they still died in the wilderness because of unbelief. Now, do you remember the resurrection account from the book of John? In fact, why don't you flip there? We're going to spend quite a bit of time in John this morning. So John chapter 20, there's kind of an interesting thing that for a while confused me. Maybe you've noticed it before, but Mary Magdalene from whom Jesus had cast seven demons, she went to the tomb early on Sunday morning, right? She found it empty. She ran back to tell the disciples. Peter and John came back with her. They found it empty. They went home. They ran back. She stayed, and she wept. And then she looked into the tomb. There are the angels. They talked to her. Then she turns, and she sees this guy outside the tomb, whom she supposed was the gardener, right? So look at 2015. Jesus, it's actually Jesus, after the resurrection. She didn't recognize him at first, whether that was just kind of miraculous veiling on Jesus' part or if it was just so early in the morning that, you know, it was harder to see because it was kind of still dark. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, My sheep hear my voice. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me. Has that ever struck you as odd? If you've ever read this section before? Why did he say that? Well, it wasn't a propriety issue. Hey, there's no one around. Don't cling to me. If somebody shows up, they might get the wrong idea. That wasn't the issue. Look at how the text goes on. It was because he had not yet ascended to the Father. What? Okay, so keep that in mind. Now, did you notice one of the verses that I read in the Scripture reading, John 16, 7? Flip back to John 16, 7. We'll put these two together. So this is Jesus speaking with his disciples right before he's betrayed and taken away uh, to be executed. And he says, Nevertheless, I tell you, John 16, 7, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So do you resonate with that? I mean, just right now, When Jesus says, it is to your advantage that I go away, take those thoughts about don't you wish you could be there and, you know, listen to Jesus and walk and talk to him. Do you believe that, that it's to our advantage that he went away? Here's the point. It would be better to have the helper within you than to have Jesus beside you. Do you believe that? Do you understand why that's true? Let me underscore that point with another verse from John's gospel. Jesus is speaking again, flip back maybe a page or two to John 14, 12. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father? What? (laughs) Do you see how this fits? What we've been considering here? It's actually better, it's to our advantage that we have the Spirit of God within us and not the Son of God in the flesh walking with us in the flesh. And not only better for you and me, but also better for the world if we have the Helper Within us, it means that we, his disciples, will be able to do greater works than even Jesus did, at least in certain ways, in his lifetime. So, do you think that we might have a tendency to short sell the person and work of the Holy Spirit? Do you think it might be important for us to know the Holy Spirit? So we can be empowered by the Holy Spirit and keep in step with the Holy Spirit, which is, the title comes from Galatians 5.25. If you live by the Spirit then keep in step with the Spirit. And we'll actually look at that text later on in the series. Rough outline for where we're headed. Know the Spirit is this morning. We're talking about the personhood of, of the Holy Spirit. The next two weeks we're going to focus on welcoming the work of the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do? We're going to study what he does, and then we're going to make sure that we're actually open and welcoming that work rather than resisting it. And then third, thirdly, use the gifts of the Spirit. Fourth, be filled by the Spirit, which is Ephesians 5.18. And then fifth, keep in step with the Spirit, which is Galatians 5, like I said. So that's an idea, the rough outline of where we're headed. And just from the outset, let me just say I'm no expert. <laughs> okay, I'm excited to learn and grow. I'm actually a little nervous about where the Lord may lead me to yield to Him and where He's going to lead us as a church because oftentimes He leads us in ways that really stretch and grow and challenge us. Okay, But I'm also excited about how God's going to bear some sweet supernatural fruit in our lives by His Spirit. So listen, The Spirit of God is like nuclear power for life and ministry. And you know what? So oftentimes we are running on our own strength. It's kind of like buying AA batteries at the dollar store. Anybody go to the dollar store? you know? Okay, this is like not even Energizer or Duracell. These are like the really cheap ones. They're light, you know. You know they're bad if they're really light. There's nothing in there. Um, They don't last very long. So, that's when we're operating in our own strength or other things that we run on. It's kind of like exchanging nuclear power for bad AA batteries. So, I just ask you at the outset would you pray for me? Would you pray for your own heart? Would you pray for your brothers and sisters here? so that the Lord would, not again, not just give us more information like, oh, no I have a good you know, systematic theology notebook about the Holy Spirit, you know, and I'll just stick it on my shelf and maybe in 10 years revisit it or something like that, but that we would actually encounter the living God by His Spirit and be changed by the Spirit as we keep in step with Him, we learn to keep in step with Him. So, knowing who the Holy Spirit is, that's the focus of this morning. We're going to focus on the personhood of the Spirit, and there's an outline in your bulletin, and you'll see the the points here on the screen as well. So, point number one, he, not it, (laughs) the personhood of the Spirit. First off, the Holy Spirit is a personal spirit, not an impersonal force. This is not Star Wars, okay? We're not dealing with the force, we are dealing with a person, so when we speak about the Spirit of God, we're, sp- we're speaking about Him, not it. Okay? And I'm not going to be the pronoun police around here, and neither should you be, although I have been known to correct people at times, not, not in a nasty way, I hope. But I'm more concerned about what does it say if we actually say it without realizing it? What does that, what does that actually say? It probably says that we don't relate to the Holy Spirit as a person. That we don't have a relationship to the Spirit of the living God. Does that sound weird to you? A relationship with the Spirit of the living God? Yeah, He's a person. Divine person. Third person of the blessed Trinity. A distinct and co-equal member of the Godhead. Father, Son, Spirit. So, if you read the Bible, you realize that the Spirit of God has descriptive titles of His character just like the Father has descriptive titles of His character. So the Father is the Holy One of Israel. In Isaiah, it's all over the place. The Lord of hosts. He's the commander of the armies of heaven and earth. Jesus has descriptive titles. Prince of Peace. Wonderful Counselor. Isaiah 9. Lion of Judah. Good Shepherd. Well, listen to a few of the titles assigned to the Spirit of God as we get to know Him as a person. The Spirit of glory, 1 Peter 4. The Spirit of grace, Hebrews 10, 29. The Spirit of life, Romans 8. The Spirit of truth, several times in John's gospel, 14, 15, and 16. And more. So, what I want to do right now is just go through a few, several actually, texts to show you the personhood of the Holy Spirit so that we really get it worked down into our, our bones that we're dealing with a person here, okay? So first, the Holy Spirit has a mind. So get your fingers ready. We're going to just flip to a few different texts here so that you can see this, um, give you a chance to mark these texts down if you want to look at, look at them some more later. So Romans 8.27, Holy Spirit has a mind, just like any person has a mind. And so 8.27 says, And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The Spirit prays for us. That's a wonderful thing. We'll consider that more later in the series. Do you know the Spirit has emotions? Grief, love. Look at just one love here Romans 15 30. While we're in Romans, just flip over a few pages to Romans 15 30. And Paul writes I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. So the Spirit has a mind. He has emotions. He has a will, just like any person. Flip to 1 Corinthians 12, 11. So just keep going to the right. Next book over is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and verse 11. We'll look at this passage when we look at the gifts of the Spirit. But just for now, notice verse 11. All these gifts... Are empowered by one and the same Spirit who, not what, who apportions to each one, to each believer, individually as he wills. The gifts are given according to the will of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says all over the place that the Holy Spirit also speaks. Just look at a few passages here. Flip back to Acts start in Acts 116. And we'll look at a few in Acts and then one final one here in Revelation. Acts 116. It's on page uh, 909 in the Pew Bible if you're using that. So <clears throat> One sixteen. Peter stands up and he says, "Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David." So the Holy Spirit was speaking through David um, in the Old Testament. Flip ahead to Acts eight twenty nine. Do you remember this story about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch? 829, and the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. And it just so happened that the Ethiopian eunuch in the chariot is reading Isaiah. Just so happened that he's in Isaiah 53 range, and he doesn't know what he's reading. So Philip is able to explain it, and this Ethiopian eunuch believes, and he's baptized. Okay? Acts 1019, flip ahead a little bit further here. Peter had this vision up on his roof, or up on somebody's roof, um, and while Peter was pondering the vision, Acts ten nineteen, the Spirit said to him, "Behold, three men are looking for you." And sure enough, they were, and they were at the door. Or Acts thirteen two. Again, this is the the missionary ventures of the early church. And look at how the person of the Spirit is active directing this mission. So Acts 13, 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. And they went off on missionary journey. Okay? Um, Don't turn there, but Hebrews 3, just for the sake of time. Hebrews 3 quotes Psalm 95, and it says, as the Holy Spirit says, present tense. So the Spirit continues to speak through texts that were inspired by the Spirit hundreds and hundreds of years before. There's still, He still speaks to us through the Word. And then finally, look at Revelation 2. This is a, a cool insight as far as the divinity of the Spirit. So the Father is God, the Son is God, the Spirit is God, one God, three persons, and watch how that gets worked out in Revelation 2. Look at verse 8. So we know that this is Jesus' word to the churches, but notice what also is said here. Revelation 2.8, and to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. Who's that? Jesus. Right? Okay. Here's what Jesus has to say to the church in Smyrna. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich, spiritually speaking. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested. And for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. And then look at verse 11. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. So wait, is it the spirit speaking or is it Jesus speaking? Yes. So, he's a person. He speaks. He teaches. You can look at Luke 12:11 later. You can grieve the Holy Spirit? Let's look at that one, Ephesians 4:30. There's actually a passage along those lines in Isaiah 63 as well, but we'll Skip that one. If you want to look at it on your own, it's Isaiah 63, 10 to 11. But look at Ephesians 4, 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So, again, this is a person. You can grieve this person. You know, you can lie to this person. At least you can try to. Turn to Acts 5. Hopefully this is helping keep you awake, not feeling pedantic and and boring to flip around here. Um, I guess it all depends on how interesting (laughs) this is, which might go back to the original question. Okay, so you can lie to the Spirit. You can try. And I would really suggest not trying because it went really bad for Ananias and Sapphira when they tried to do that. So Acts 5, one. But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? And to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you've contrived this deed in your heart? Okay, the point was, the problem was not that he only gave a part. The problem is that he made it look like he's giving all and he only gave a part. So that was the lie. If he would have said, hey, we sold this property, we're going to give 50% of it, then everything would have been fine. That wouldn't be a lie but he was giving the impression that they were giving it all. So look at the end of verse four. You have not lied to man, but to God. Do you see that? Lay that beside verse three. Why has Satan so filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? You've not lied to man, but to God. Implication, Holy Spirit is God. So they tested the Holy Spirit. Verse nine. So he obviously died as a result of that. And Peter says to, uh, to Sapphira, when she came in, she also lied, told the same story. How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? You remember when Jesus in the, was in the wilderness and he quotes um, Deuteronomy You shall not put your Lord to the test, the Lord your God, to the test? It's the same verb here. You're not supposed to put God to the test. Well, don't put the Spirit of God to the test. Same thing. So you can test him, you can insult the Spirit. Do you know that? Just listen to Hebrews 10, 29. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the Spirit of grace? And then also, this person, the Holy Spirit, comforts, he encourages. So Acts 9, 31. So the, the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit The church multiplied. So I hope it's abundantly clear that we're dealing here with a person, a divine, glorious, powerful person, a he, not an it. Now let's zero in a little bit now on the character of the Spirit. Who is he? Okay, so we'll begin to do so by looking at some portions of Scripture that were part of our scripture reading um, from John 14 to 16. It's this really key section in Jesus' teaching if you want to know about the Holy Spirit. So in that section, Jesus repeatedly refers to the Spirit as the helper, okay? In Greek, that term is the paraclete, parakletos, okay? So whatever. Now you know a Greek word, you can throw it around and impress your friends, okay? So um, that Greek term Jesus uses several times, and it literally means... One who comes alongside, which is kind of vague. but All right, what does that mean? Well, in classical Greek, the term could refer to a prosecuting attorney. So coming alongside to accuse. And there's actually some of those connotations in John 16, 7 and 8. So flip back to John 16, 7 and 8. By the way, this, I think this week is going to be the most like a classroom, at least part of it here, if, if you feel like we're just going through all these texts. and um, The point is, again, not information, but we need to know. Do you want to know who the Spirit is, what He's like? So that's why we're considering these things. Um, so prosecuting attorney connotations sometimes this term, John sixteen seven. nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper the paraclete, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment like a prosecuting attorney. So many of us in this room, hopefully most if not all of us in this room, have experienced this paraclete ministry of the Spirit when he came alongside us when we came to faith in Jesus. Or maybe some of you are experiencing this right now, or maybe you will soon, hopefully, if you haven't yet. So lots of people deal with a vague or sometimes even a stronger sense of guilt here and there, sometimes very frequently, sometimes people are plagued with guilt. Well, becoming a Christian is a supernatural event. God the Holy Spirit comes alongside you to show you, just like a prosecuting attorney, that you're guilty convicting you of sin and righteousness and judgment. So who's kept the Ten Commandments perfectly? No one. We've all broken them. No gods before me. Don't take my name in vain. Honor your your father and mother. Don't commit murder, Jesus said. Not even angry with your brother in your heart. Don't commit adultery, Jesus said. Don't even look with lust. Don't lie, steal, covet. Okay, we're all toast. If we're honest with ourselves and God, we are all in trouble, big time. But here's the good news. The Spirit doesn't convict like a prosecuting attorney to simply throw it in our face. He does it so that we will see our need for a Savior, like really, internally. Our need for forgiveness, our need for cleansing, so that we will run to Jesus as our Savior and experience The freedom of salvation, of forgiveness, and sins dealt with through Jesus on the cross. So some people, think about this, some people in the world, they know the Ten Commandments. They've heard the Ten Commandments, and they say stuff like this. Rather than saying, I need a Savior, I'm I'm, I'm hopeless without Him. Some people hear the Ten Commandments, they say, I've kept most of them most of the time. (laughs) At least I'm not as bad as, I'm better than... So they don't actually really experience the kind of guilt that would drive them to the Savior. So only by the supernatural work of the Spirit will someone really stop trying to justify themselves and acknowledge their absolute need of forgiveness and a Savior. Okay, so that's part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit is a loving, if you could say it that way, prosecuting attorney so that we see our needs so that we run to Jesus. Paraclete, this term, this word, can also have connotations of help, strengthening, and encouragement. Giving courage, giving heart. Okay, so look back at John 14, 16. And Jesus says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, same term, to be with you forever. So do you see how Jesus, Jesus was actually a paraclete. He was a helper. Because he says here, he will give you another helper. Well, I'm here, but I'm leaving But don't worry, I'm sending, the Father will send the Spirit to be with you forever. And He will come alongside and teach and counsel and help and guide and strengthen you. Look at John 14, 26. Again, the term is used. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. He's going to help you that way. And then flip to John 15, 26. The next time it's used. But when the helper comes, same word again, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. So this is who the Spirit of God is. It's the kind of ministry that we should expect from him. Conviction of sin, not just to put us on a crazy guilt trip as an end in itself. No, 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 no. But to come to terms with reality of who we are and to cause us to run to Jesus who can rescue us, but also the ministry of help and encouragement and comfort and counsel and strengthening. And that's only just the beginning of what the Holy Spirit does, who He is and what He does in us and then through us. Okay? So, so I hope that as we walk through this series, you are going to really get a better grasp, and I think I'm getting a better grasp even as I've begun to prepare for it. We're going to begin to grasp and see what a great gift the Spirit is. So if I asked you outside of this morning, because this morning is kind of cheating, if I asked you in a context outside of a church service, especially one where we're talking about the Holy Spirit and where the next point is the gift of the Spirit, it's kind of totally given away, um, name a few of the greatest gifts you've ever been given. I mean, really, if that actually happened, you know, dinner conversation, blah, 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 Do you think the Holy Spirit would make it in the top three? Top five? Like, as far as what would come to your mind? Greatest gift. The Bible makes it really clear that the Holy Spirit is a gift to us. God wants to, he wants us to know that the Holy Spirit is a gift that he loves to give. So I want you to see a few more verses along these lines. Acts 2.38. Just flip over there for a minute. So you can see this language used of the Spirit of God. Acts 2.38. Peter said to them... Okay, right after Pentecost, the Spirit comes on... The disciples, the apostles, and and um, they start to turn the world upside down. Peter starts preaching. He says, "Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit." Flip ahead to Acts chapter ten. Same language is used. Acts chapter ten, verse forty-five. So, Peter is sharing the gospel among the Gentiles now. It's starting to spread outside of just Jerusalem and Judea. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard um, heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles, the non-Jews. Okay, so... Holy Spirit is a gift, an infinitely valuable gift. So listen, if, I, if you received a valuable, like life-changing, super powerful gift, you know, like a change your life sort of gift, and you stuck it on the shelf in the basement and ignored it, what would that mean? Think about it. Think, think about your life and how you operate and how present the Holy Spirit is in your normal day-to-day, week-to-week life. If, if you and I, if we need an outside power source to run on, and we were given some crazy nuclear yet non-toxic, okay? Um, I was going to say safe, but he's not safe but he's at least not not toxic, okay? So if you were given some crazy nuclear power source and you set that power source on the shelf and kept buying those dollar store double A's, we might just call you crazy. Why would you be crazy like that? Why would we do that? Because, I mean, just think about possible explanations, maybe because you don't know the value of that gift, maybe because you don't think you need that gift, Maybe because you don't know how to connect the terminals. (laughs) Maybe because you're afraid of it. It is nuclear after all. What? Maybe there's other answers. So have have we forgotten, have any of us forgotten about the Holy Spirit? Is it ignorance? Well, this series can help. You know there were disciples when Paul went to Ephesus. It's interesting. He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you you believed? And they said, no, we haven't even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. Hopefully that wouldn't be any of us, but that was Acts 19. Or maybe you don't know, what does it mean to be filled by the Spirit? How how, how are we filled with the Spirit? I thought we got the Spirit when we were converted, and what what, what do you mean? I don't even know what this means. Are you maybe afraid of being too charismatic? Maybe there's some wildness, you know, some family member that's and you're just afraid of guilt by association, I can understand that. There's a lot of wildness out there, you know? My, my mom lives in Kentucky. They, some places you stop by, you're gonna be picking up snakes, snakes and maybe drinking poison, I don't know, but that's not what we're dealing with here. How often do you actually think about the Holy Spirit? How often do you find yourself thankful for the gift of the Holy Spirit? How often are you aware of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit? Maybe we all need to know a little bit better, really know the gift that we have in the Holy Spirit. So let me just mention a few of the treasures that are ours if we have the Spirit here. Just just listen to these, and I hope it's just a good shot in the arm for all of us to really desire to engage in this series. So the fruit that that the Spirit grows in people is pretty sweet. Maybe you've tasted it. Listen to it again. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Any of you need more than that? I'm sorry. Any of you need more of those things? Do you want more of those things? Do you need more joy in your life? more patience, more love, more self-control. How about freedom? Anybody like that? And I mean like soul freedom, not captive to sin. 2 Corinthians 3.17, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Do you know the Holy Spirit is the sin killer? You have some... You have some of those things where it's like the same old struggles and you keep falling in the same ditch over and over again. Listen to Romans 8, 13. If if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. You need a helper? You need a counselor? You're not going to find a better one than the Spirit. Do you ever get in the situation where you don't know what to pray for? especially when you're in trial and you're struggling and you're suffering. Romans 8, 26, he, you know, he intercedes for us when we don't know how to pray. How about this one? Would you like to know, I mean really know, like down here deep in your bones, spiritual bones, the love of God the Father for you, his child? Is that ever a hard thing for you to actually believe? He loves me. Listen to Romans 8.15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies, bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Do you hear that testimony very clearly? Do you want to hear it more clearly? are there a lot of other voices that kind of drown that out and you kind of go through life with this low level feeling of i never measure up would you like more power for faithful witness anybody acts 1:8 but you will receive power when the holy spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in jerusalem and in all judea and samaria and to the end of the earth are you ever depressed <laughs> feeling hopeless? Listen to Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. By the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Anybody need that? How about, do you oftentimes feel in your heart, your life, How about, especially like when you wake up in the morning, disordered and empty? (laughs) Anybody? So we'll talk about this more in weeks to come. But the Spirit of God, I, I prayed this, I think I prayed it or mentioned it at the beginning. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and God spoke, and things were ordered, separated, and filled. He did that by His Word, by His Spirit. That sounds like a pattern. By his word, by his spirit, he speaks and orders the chaos and fills the emptiness. I found myself praying that prayer a lot in the last several months. I have need of that big time in my heart. I have, we have need of that in our home. <laughs> we have need of that in our church. So let's pray along those lines. So are you and I, are we living way too natural? and not supernatural. So listen, this is the book of the month, Forgotten God by Francis Chan. And I'll recommend a couple other books here if you're really wanting to get into some of this reading. But listen to this silly illustration that he gives. That's that's his words. He says, this may be a silly illustration, but if I told you I had an encounter with God where where he entered my body and gave me a supernatural ability to play basketball... Wouldn't you expect to see an amazing improvement in my jump shot, my defense, my speed on the court? After all, this is God we're talking about. And if you saw no change in my athleticism, wouldn't you question the validity of my encounter? Churchgoers all across the nation say the Holy Spirit has entered them indwelling spirit. They claim that God has given them a supernatural ability to follow Christ, put their sin to death, and serve the church. Christians talk about being born again and say that they were dead, but now they've come to life. We've become hardened to those words, but they are powerful words that have significant meaning. Yet when those outside the church see no difference in our lives, they begin to question our integrity, our sanity, or even worse, our God. And can you blame them? AA dollar store batteries. So maybe we need to know what we have when we have the Spirit of God. Maybe we need to know that better. Who we have. Maybe we need less of ourselves and our pathetic double A battery attempts or alternate power sources, you know, our own strength or whatever we rely on, and more of the Spirit of God. If you agree with, if you resonate with any of that, if you long to live by the power of the Holy Spirit, then guess what? I've got some really good news. And it comes from Luke eleven thirteen. 13. So Jesus said, ask, seek, knock. Remember? And then he said, if you. So, so you know, if you're, if you're a dad, if you're a parent when, your parent, when your child asks for some bread, you don't give him a stone. Are you kidding me? Give him some bread. And then Jesus said, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts, gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. That's encouraging. If you are hungry for more of the Spirit, then there's a willing God who loves to give. He's a better giver than any of us parents So, I hope that you're beginning to see why it's better to have the Spirit of God within us than Jesus walking in the flesh beside us. Point number four better with, better than with is within. Okay, back to John 14. John 14, 16, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. At that time, the Spirit was yet to come, so Jesus said, will be in you. And then again, remember, he said, it's to your advantage that I go away. If I don't go away, the helper will not come. So here's the point. There were so many people that saw the miracles that Jesus did. Remember, they saw the, the 5,000, feeding of the 5,000. And in John 6, they came to him and he said, you know what? You're, you're coming to me. You're seeking me because you had your bellies filled, not because you get what I'm, who I am. You're just responding in a very kind of worldly sort of way. Hey, we're hungry. He can do miracle, miracles with, you know, a couple of loaves and some fish. Let's follow him. They needed the Spirit within them just as much as we do if we're really going to get what Jesus says. You see that? No one's going to believe. Even people that saw Jesus with their physical eyes, nobody's going to really believe who Jesus is and really follow Him apart from the internal miracle work of the Holy Amen. Spirit. You must be born again. Amen. And when you're born again, then... What Jesus says and does makes sense. And we're actually following him for the right reasons. Okay? So if you read on in John's Gospel, flip over to John 7, just so that you see, it's better to have the Spirit of God within you than Jesus in the flesh walking beside you. John 7.37 On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, how's that going to happen? Only by the power of the Holy Spirit, internal work of God. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. What does that mean? Well, John tells us. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So another little book that's helpful is called Who on Earth is the Holy Spirit? Tim Chester. Here's what they say at one point. Jesus living in us is even better than Jesus living near us. So Jesus dwells in us by his spirit. That's even better than him walking beside us as the incarnate son. So do you know him? Last point. Do you really know him? We are Trinitarian Christians. It's the only kind of Christian there is. The only real Christianity is Christianity with a triune God at the center. And you know what? We, we know, I think we would know that we dare not neglect or ignore the Father or the Son. <laughs> that would be kind of a glaring thing if we actually did that. We would never allow ourselves to do that. But why do we allow ourselves to ne- ignore or neglect the Holy Spirit? Just like with the Father or Son, we would do it to our detriment. So do you know the Holy Spirit? Do you know Him? And I don't mean know about, merely, though that's important and we're going to pursue um, that kind of thing in the series as well, information so that we're not ignorant. But if, if all we have at the end of, end of the summer is more information about the Spirit, then we miss the point. Okay? We need to know Him as a person. We need to relate to Him and rely on Him and commune with Him even. We need to walk with Him and keep in step with him, so do you want that? If so, let's go. You might want to just—you might just want to go a little crazy and dive in. Maybe like grab, dust off the old concordance, or use Bible Gateway or something online, and just study everything that the New Testament has to say about the Holy Spirit. Just type in "Holy Spirit" and look at all the contexts. You start there. How about each of us praying you and I every day? about what God wants to teach us this summer about keeping in step with the Spirit. Let's ask God to set our expectations and work among us in a powerful, supernatural way. Does anybody want that? I hope that you do. You might want to get a copy of the book of the month that I quoted from earlier by Francis Chan, Forgotten God, and read it prayerfully. If you can't afford one, just take it, no problem. Just ask for it. Again, this little book is helpful if you want a little smaller one. And then Bill actually told me of this one. I'm glad I didn't know about it. But J.D. Greer, Jesus Continued. And actually, the subtitle, I've alluded to this as well, just the different words. Why the Spirit inside you is better than Jesus beside you. Seems like everybody's saying that. Um, So, anyway, I hope that our appetite is whetted and we are anticipating what God wants to teach us. So let's close appropriately by singing to the Holy Spirit. Remember, he's a person. Is that weird, singing to the Holy Spirit? No, it shouldn't be. So as we close, we're going to sing to the Holy Spirit. This song is a prayer, right? And normally in the Bible, the pattern is praying to the Father in the name of the Son by the power of the Spirit. But that doesn't mean that we can't sometimes pray to Jesus Pray to the Holy Spirit um, and ask for Him to do the very things that we sung earlier when we sung the song Holy Spirit. So we're going to sing that song again as a closing prayer.